You're listening to Building the Game with Rob and Jason. It's Building the Game with Jason and Rob. For tabletop game design, you really can't go wrong. Building the Game, yeah, Building the Game. Hello and welcome to Building the Game, a documentary podcast. Today is Monday, February 18th. 2019 you're listening to episode 351 did i give enough modulation there in my voice jason yeah i could go more if you want me to why don't you just auto-tune us that would be I, oh i wish i knew how to auto-tune I, i'm sure there's you know if you I, email, oh. email your moderator chris i guarantee you know <laughs> auto-tune stuff builders is there free auto-tune software out there on the internet that i can get anyway that's not what we're here to talk about here tonight <laughs> are you sure because that sounds great. i mean that'd be great but we can talk about that next week okay next week we can go off on that tangent we're good at tangents tonight though i don't want tangents until after we introduce our guest <laughs> then we can tangent and then we up. can tangent as much as he wants to um maybe he likes auto-tunes I, I, who doesn't like autotunes? Okay, most self-respecting people. Uh, I certainly hope so. <laughs> We're going to find out soon. As soon as I introduce our guest for this week, we have a guest this week. Did we? I was confused about that. Well, you set it up, so I, I hope that you remembered. Anyway, and our guest is being very polite by being quiet until he's introduced. That's kind of a thing that uh, you don't. You're not allowed to say anything when you're a guest until you're introduced. Um, so I'm going to stop teasing. <laughs> we have a gentleman here uh, on the show with us today. Somebody that we've uh, we've been talking about his organization for 350 episodes so far uh, for Round quite about. A, quite a number of, of years. Um, we've used their services many times over, both of us. Uh, we've had a lot of po- uh, positive experiences. I think we've both had a couple of frustrations in the past, and we might we might talk about some of that with him. But uh, we have we have uh, we have someone. I don't think either of us have like really met him in person, or or if so, only passing at conventions. And it's tough to remember now and then. But getting to the point, we have JT from the Game Crafter on today. Hi, JT. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. It's a it's a pleasure to have you on. Welcome. Thanks for having me. We uh, now we we know Tavis f- fairly well, also part of the Game Crafter crew, because uh, he's he's uh, kind of local to us here in Southwest Michigan. But you are based in Wisconsin, right? That's correct. Yeah, and that's where kind of the home office of Game Crafter. Right, our facility is right here in Madison, and it started here because that's where I live and I build all the stuff. So excellent. So so are are you the original Game Crafter? Uh, actually, right from day one, we hired somebody to do the actual manufacturing, but I'm the one that uh, builds the processes, the software, the machines, that sort of stuff. That's awesome. That's That sounds like a huge variety of, of uh, knowledge base and experience that you must have. <laughs> it's all gained on the fly. Honestly, the only <laughs> thing I knew going into the Game Crafter was software. So okay. all of this machinery stuff and uh, process and printing and all that is brand new uh, starting when we first started the Game Crafter. Nice. That kind of necessity is the mother of invention thing. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, right on. Cool. Um, I, I think Jason and I can probably speak, have had similar experiences in our, in our, our day jobs, right? That, uh, sometimes, you know, there's, there's no going to school for, for everything, right? Right, right. Yeah. Hey, so, you're in yeah. charge of this thing. Figure out how to <laughs> do this it thing. Out. <laughs> hey, okay. Or in your case, hey, you're starting a business. Yeah, Figure out how yeah. to do that. Good luck with that, buddy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I love, that's my favorite thing, honestly, is figuring out how something works and how to make it work and how to make it work better. It's, uh, that's why I like, you know, building businesses. That's why I like designing games. It's just that whole, 
creation and building and refining aspect that is, uh, I don't know, it's just so tantalizing. Yeah. No, I totally hear that. As, as you were saying that, I was like, oh, kind of like game design. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So uh, thanks for coming on the show. We're, we're really excited to have you. We've been uh, talking about getting somebody uh, from Game Crafter on for a long time uh, um, and and just haven't gotten around to it. Um, uh, and and I'll, I'll just get right to the point here. The thing that really got us jazzed uh, right off the bat here, and I don't, because I, I'm so excited about it that, <laughs> that I don't want to wait to talk to you about it. And that is that totally badass game design ruler that you created. Holy cow, dude, that's, that is rad. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, it's kind of funny because it's um, it was almost an accident that I created it <laughs> and so it's really cool that uh, a lot of people are really enjoying it and I'm uh, I'm I'm super happy with it I just had no idea it was going to blow up like it has yeah it's super cool where it, 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 it was that it's, okay so you said it came from an accident tell us about that uh, all right just before protospiel last year protospiel Madison uh, we were getting ready to launch the new acrylic shapes feature that we have where you can make your own game pieces. And I was, I was thinking, Hey, we should create some kind of giveaway thing that we can give away to all the game designers that are coming to Protospiel Madison, uh, to sh- kind of show off that we can make this stuff now. And, uh, my initial idea was just literally a ruler that, you know, it had metric and imperial on it. And it just said, the game crafter or get custom acrylic shapes at the game crafter or something like that. And it was literally just going to be a ruler. And, uh, and I pitched that to Jamie and Tavis, the other two owners of the game crafter. And they're like, uh, I think it was specifically Tavis was like, well, that's lame. We should do something cooler than that. <laughs> <laughs> and he was right. Uh, so then I, uh, I'm like, well, what makes it cooler? And he said, well, let's throw uh, measurements for all the card sizes on it. And, and I'm like, okay, I'll do that. And so I whipped that up and that led to adding in other things like a compass and a protractor and a bunch of uh, shapes like meeples and dice and cubes and, uh, you know, a, a ton of different stencils as well. So uh, it, it just kind of snowballed. And within, from the time that I mentioned it to him to, um, to the time uh, to like an hour and a half maybe two hours later we had already gone through 12 revisions of oh this wow thing. so wow. it just snowballed it was crazy and, cool. and these were all non-physical things they were you know it was just me and illustrator screwing around like okay we could do this we could do that um so then it, it, we got to a point where i just created the thing i you know actually went and physically made one at the game crafter and uh and then i took a picture of it and threw it up on social media just to get some feedback i was like hey what do you guys think of this this is a little thing i'm working on and within i don't even know two three hours i had 500 responses across you know twitter and facebook and reddit and uh and i'm like holy crap we must be on to something here <laughs> yeah so I, I had no, I mean, literally, this came from a, how do we tell people at Protospiel that we do this now, to here's a product that people actually want outside of, you know, you know, it's just not promoting acrylic shapes. It's literally, it's its own thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I was one of those people who was, who was geeking out about it on Twitter after you posted that. Um, it's just super cool. I haven't ordered one myself yet. I, I'm hoping that you guys are going to have those at your booth at Gen Con. 
Yes, we will. Okay, yep. cool. All right, I'll probably buy one there because I'm just nervous about shipping and, and it breaking because I, I don't trust the post office. <laughs> yeah, I can understand that. But, here, you know, the thing is that the Game Crafter actually ensures everything we ship. So if it breaks, we would ship you a new one. Oh, Oh wow! Good to know. That's good to know, and also a good plug. Good job, Rob. You yeah. that was you set that up for him just to slam dunk that. That was awesome. Yeah. We did not know that, but it's like T ball. Yeah. Um, do you have? Um, <laughs> are you going to be at Origins as well? Uh, yes, we are going to for the first time ever. The Game Crafters opening up a booth at Origins this year. Even better. And we're actually going to bring a smaller version of our board game candy booth to nice. Origins. Nice. All and that is all funded by sales of the ruler, right? I mean, that's the whole reason. <laughs> I I'm bet. Shocked. We've sold, I want to say, five or six hundred copies of it in the last couple of months. Nice. Um, so that's it, that's way better than I would have ever expected. Like I said, I was planning on doing it as a giveaway, mm-hmm. um, but uh, yeah, it's doing really well. But yeah, the booth is funded by the board game candy stuff. So right. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. that was and that was a smart idea too. That was two years ago at Gen Con. I think you started doing that. Um, yep. And I was really impressed by that. Um, Tavis and I actually had a good conversation about it, how kind of you guys talking about, um, and hopefully it's okay if I share this, because uh, sure. he told me so, but you know, that you you had kind of a philosophical debate about does that take away from the normal presence of GameCraft? Or like, what does that do to that? Um, and he, he said you guys just had a good conversation trying to decide, like, was is this a good idea? And then afterwards he said we all said clearly this was a great idea because <laughs> people were really jazzed by it. I, I loved it because as someone who shops on your website, being able to just feel all that stuff, you know, and walk mm-hmm. through and yeah. just like, I, I actually was like, wow, I'm going to just grab some components and design a game because of that. And some of the prototypes I worked on were simply because I got just random components from you guys that looked mm-hmm. cool. So that's cool. That's really that's really great to hear. It, you know, when you when we set up the booth, it's it's really not. We don't hear back from people like how how did you use these things that you bought. So mm-hmm. it's really cool to hear you know your experience using what you bought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it's just very satisfying to look at too. I mean, I, I I think many many of us have a jar of bits or something, right? And and that's like the ultimate array of jars of bits. <laughs> I think it's, I think it's cute that you said a jar yeah. of bits. Yeah. Got like a lot of jars of bits. It's it's really funny. We we did a test the first year that we did that a couple of years ago, like you said, uh, the first year that we did the board game booth. So or the board game candy booth. Uh, the first year it was half. Um, those bins, the you know, they're just like bulk bins, like at a candy store, and then half uh, a packaged goods. Like we already had parts in little uh, plastic packaging with you know labels and stuff, just to see an A/B test. Would people rather have like a grab and go pack, or would they rather weigh out the stuff in bulk and you know and pay for it that way? Mm-hmm. And it was, uh, I want to say it was like a twenty-one to one. Uh, people preferred the bulk stuff. Yeah. So then last year we we doubled it up and we had I think four hundred bits, four hundred different types of bits, which is still not a lot. Like we have two thousand bits in our shop, so there's lots of things we could do. But uh, but yeah, still four hundred of them was you know it fills the booth for sure. It's cool. Yeah, no, and the I, the booth is just fun to walk in and look around. You know what I mean? Walking into those all those bins. Mm-hmm. With all the, you know, I would, I think the last Gen Con I went there two or three times and every time 
it'd be like, oh, I didn't see that last time, mm-hmm. you know, um, because, you know, with 400 different bits, I mean, even if that's well, a fifth you said of your entire what you can actually produce, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. So it's cool. <coughs> yeah, I, I'm flabbergasted every time like you know I, I traditionally i haven't worked the booth i usually uh, have speaking engagements and other things when i'm at gen con lots of meetings uh but these last few years since the board game candy thing was kind of my idea i'm like I, i'll work the booth we'll we'll get it all you know taken care of so i kind of stepped aside from my normal speaking engagements and stuff and it was amazing to see that the booth was absolutely packed from day one to the close of the show mm-hmm. like there was very few times where there was nobody in the booth almost every almost all the time there's you know 5 10 20 30 people in a 10 by 20 area yeah that's crazy and, and, and i've got a lot of questions for you tonight so i, I want to move on but i but um okay. I'll, I'll say it, it's it stands out on the floor right there, there's there's nothing else on the floor at those shows that looks like that and i think that's that's something that you guys have done well to to make it stand out, to make it different from anything else that people see. You know, the closest you get is the chess X booths where people can get the mug full of dice or whatever, but that's just dice. It's not, it's not just, it's just not 400 or however many types of bits out there. So, yeah. so anyway, well done. Thank you, guys, you. you guys put chess X to shame. Yeah. Chess X. <laughs> yeah. We, we let them have the dice. We'll uh, do all the bits. There you go. You guys should get into dice too. Cause their dice aren't exactly cheap. I'm just yeah. saying. So, <laughs> um, so I, another question for you. So, um, cause you guys have been in business for what? Eight or 10 years now. Almost 10 years. It'll be 10 years in July. 10 years in July. Okay. Congratulations. That's, that's awesome. Thank you. Um, and, and I know that you guys in just in the, what, seven years, Jason, that we've been doing this, yeah. um, we, we've seen kind of, kind of the, the landscape of game design change. Obviously the market for, for, for tabletop gaming is bigger than it's been in a long time. Um, ever actually is it ever okay I, yeah yep. and and you know just as 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 uh, consumers uh, you, you know people guys who order stuff from, from your site we've seen a lot of your offerings change I'm wor- wondering I'm curious about your perspective on what uh, what uh, kind, of, kind of the hobby game industry or, or I, sh- I should keep it focused on on you know the independent freelance game design guys guys and girls I, I'm, I'm wondering what your thoughts or what your experience has been on on seeing how all this has changed over this time I mean, it's changed pretty dramatically. When we first, well, first of all, I mean, just with the Game Crafter, there weren't places like what we do. There wasn't anybody doing that back when we did it. Um, There were husks of companies that had tried and failed, but there weren't anybody actually doing it. Now there are places, like there's nobody like the Game Crafter, but there are places that are... uh, you know where you can go get just cards that sort of thing or you can just go um, get some dice or whatever that sort of stuff um but uh but yeah so that has changed and then there's also uh the other thing that has changed is just the board game hobby in general uh, you know it's it's growing at 20 percent per year for the past 10 years straight so that's that's an enormous growth when you think about you know, just the number of new people coming into the the game, the sport, the mm-hmm. hobby, whatever yeah. you want to call it. And so, um, what do you what do you see what do you see coming in the future? Right? And do you guys do you guys have a vision for five years out for for your next ten years? What what thoughts do you have? Do you mean for the industry as a whole, or just us? Well, I mean, I was talking a little bit about both in the last. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess, I guess both. I, you know, I don't, I, I, I mean, if you want to reveal any any big scoops to us, we're happy to share them. But <laughs> you know, I, I, I just, I'm always interested in hearing about people who are, you know, because Jason and I, we can kind of get heads down so much, right? In whatever game we're working on right now, and and it's yeah. we it's struggle. I struggle. I don't want to speak for Jason necessarily, but I struggle sometimes to kind of look at the big picture sometimes and get out of my own head. And and I and I have to imagine from your your perspective and in, in you know you guys need to think about the big picture and 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 think about what what the landscape things are and i'm, I'm just wor- curious about your perspective on that yeah it's uh well i mean there's so many different ways that you can look at it from an industry perspective like publishers the big fear is right now that china is becoming more expensive than it is to produce in the united states is it really um, i didn't know that so it isn't yet but the tariffs that are yeah. being added, oh. uh, the shipping, shipping costs are constantly going up. Got it. Uh, that sort of stuff. It, it uh, and paper costs actually are going up too. Um, as a result, those things have dramatically shifted already over the last few years. And if it continues down that path, uh, it will get to a point where it'll literally be the same price because of the shipping costs and import duties. It'll be the same price as, as producing in the United States. Yeah. But there aren't really that many producers in the united states there's delano is the is the big one that that people generally know about um there are some really huge ones if you're printing tens of thousands of copies like you know like hasbro does but yeah. um but the, for the regular publisher delano is the only one in the united states uh that does this other than potentially the game crafter and interestingly delano is in battle creek michigan yeah. about 45 <laughs> minutes away from us yeah they are they yeah. are, and they do great work. They sure. do absolutely great work, um, but with with them being the only ones, and nobody does plastics in the United States anymore, like a, you know, a little components. So even if Delano wants it, they go to China to get the plastics for for cut their customers. Yeah, I was going to say that. Um, that's what I thought because um, because I Jason worked with them for his uh, his first game, Water Balloon Washout. Yeah, and it was just a card game, and I and I my recollection is that you looked into some other component stuff, and they didn't have a lot of options. No, and and I'll I'll say JT for you guys, um, at the time, they were a little cheaper than you guys were. Uh, I don't think that's the case anymore. Uh, but I'll tell you what, the quality of components that I see that you guys are making compared to what what I see they're making, you, you guys beat them hands down. I, I would. I would always use the Game Crafter now over Delano for sure. And and frankly should have then. I just didn't know any better. And they were fine to work with. They did a fine job, but you you guys are better quality for sure. Um in my uh, having worked with both of you in my opinion yeah. <laughs> uh that as a designer, well, yeah. So and thank you. I appreciate that. We're we're constantly trying to you know improve the offerings that we and like for example just recently we we uh, killed a box that we had in service for seven years called the large pro box. Oh yeah. Because it's not fully printable and we brought out a bunch of new boxes that are fully printable mm-hmm. to replace it and um, so we're constantly trying to improve that offering. So it's good that people notice that you know that we are improving all the time. Here's a question for you, and this is something that drives me crazy. And and th- this is this is I, I think a truth about publishing in general. But why on earth are boxes so expensive? Uh, well, the the honest truth is that most boxes that are made everywhere in the world. This isn't just at the Game Crafter; it's literally yeah. everywhere. Yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Most boxes are handmade. Really? So, 
Yeah, you wouldn't think that, but they are. Um, and the reason for that is there are machines that make boxes. There are great, wonderful machines that make boxes. However, the setup time of configuring the machine and getting everything just right uh, means that unless you're running 10,000 plus of that box, it's not worth the time because it's oh. days worth of work wow. to set up the machine. Um so, so most boxes are handmade and then, uh, you know, that attributes cost. So it, like yeah. you, I could send you some videos, for example, on YouTube of, of Chinese manufacturers where they just have a line of people making boxes by hand one step at a time. Wow. And, um, the same thing goes at, at the game crafter. We hand make the boxes as well. That's the one thing at the game crafter that isn't almost entirely automated, huh. uh, Every you know boxes are are very manual. It's like probably only thirty percent automated. Hmm. Cause, yeah, because I've had that argument with people before. Say you know when because Jason and I have both done a bunch of pricing. Not you know obviously from Game Crafter, but looked at pricing from other sources too. And boxes are just always expensive, no matter what we do. Yeah, yeah. And people say I'm crazy for saying that, but yeah, um, I mean I'll, it's true. Yeah, I'll say hands down. So I've been you know one of the things you heard me talk about on the last episode that you guys were talking about, where we talked about Game Crafter was. You know, looking to print a game, um, the biggest thing I was trying to figure out was how to make that box smaller because that really is where a big amount of the cost comes in, right? Um, yep. Dice, obviously, you guys charge a, a good amount for dice, uh, especially if they're custom, which is fair because so does everyone else, right? Because again, it's not cheap, right? Yeah. Um, so, like, that was one of the things I noticed though, was if I could get that box smaller, then I could, um, you know, I could save a lot of money and still still have you guys print it and uh you know and because you guys have so much on the site like so many different tools and in and, and uh sizes of cards and such that really helped me figure out okay i could use the small pro box or whatever it's called right now and um you know and, and get a, a better price because you know like rob said the boxes are a little pricier but it's really interesting to hear that that because I would have never guessed that boxes are handmade. That sounds terrible. Like it just sounds awful. <laughs> it is. It is. I, I, like I said, they're not um, not everywhere. They're handmade. Like obviously, like if you bought an iPhone, the box that the, the iPhone comes in is not a handmade box. But Apple isn't making a thousand iPhones. They're right. Right. Sure. Yeah. Right. Um, so there are lots of boxes that are that are completely fully automated. But when you get down to somebody who's publishing fifteen hundred copies of a game, for example. Uh, those boxes are handmade because just the the amount of time it takes to set up the machine. Now, in that that when you say handmade, you mean like from scratch handmade? Because obviously, for for instance, right? Like, say your small pro box that we were talking about, you very well could make ten thousand of those in a year. But it's because they all have to have different printing on them that makes the cost more. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay. Yeah. So we actually. Uh, we actually outsource. We have a company that we work with that um, the core of the box, we actually outsource and get it made on a machine because we can make 10,000 of them at a time. Um, so we actually do that. If we didn't do that, the boxes would be even more expensive. Oh, yeah, are. that makes sense. Hmm. So the uh, But then we apply the printing after the fact, and that's that's the part that's um, you know it's printed on a flat sheet, and then it has to be glued to the actual core of the box, and and that's a completely manual process. Wow, that sounds terrible. Yeah, I mean, yeah, in that case, the boxes feel like a deal. (laughs) 
And I, I mean, certainly, just to be clear, I wasn't saying you guys charge too much for boxes because we, Rob and I have both looked at other sites. And when I first saw the how expensive boxes were, I asked a publisher friend, like, hey, what are other options? And he showed me other options and they were all just as expensive and most of them weren't as nice. So I was like, all right, well, I know I just need to use a smaller box then. So, yeah. It is, it is pretty crazy when you're trying to make boxes on a, sh- on a short run, like not even just the Game Crafter, like you were saying, it, uh, like if you're trying to make less than 10,000 or whatever the, the amount is that is below the amount where they can fully automate the process, yeah. uh, it is it is really expensive. I mean, even <clears throat> you go to China, you get your whole game made in China, like you're talking 30% or more of the cost of the game is still going to be the box no matter what you do. Yeah. That's wild. That's so. crazy. So um, one of the, the big innovations that, that you guys came up with uh, was the uh, uh, was the component studio, um, and that was that was kind of a big launch. That was that last year. Uh, it was a year. Uh, yeah, it was. It was at the end of twenty seventeen. End of seventeen. Okay, um, and, and I, I have not used it yet. Uh, um, uh, well, so so before. Before I, I do something wrong, say something wrong here, why don't you explain what that is? Okay. So Component Studio is basically if you took a photo editing program like GIMP or, or Photoshop and then added a spreadsheet, glued a spreadsheet directly to it, like you know Excel or, or, or that sort of thing, so that, the, so that Photoshop could be driven directly by the data that's in the spreadsheet. And so how it works is you will define the fields that you have for a game. So let's say we're making a simple little combat game. Maybe we've got a a defensive stat and a name and a description and an offensive stat for each card. Mm -hmm. Those you will lay out one card. You'll design that one card. You you know, uh, the title goes at the top. The description goes after that. At the bottom right corner is your defense. At your bottom left corner is your offense or whatever, you know, however you're going to design it. You design that one card and then Component Studio will take the data out of the spreadsheet and design the other 99 cards that are in your deck for you automatically. The other thing that it does is if, let's say you decided, you know what, I bottom left corner for um or bottom right corner for for defense doesn't work because people put their thumb on the card and then they can't see their defense so let's put it in the in the bottom left corner with with the offense so it's just you know 50 slash 30 or whatever whatever the thing is you need to go back and change all 100 of those cards if you did that in photoshop you'd have to edit 100 files with component studio you make that change once in one place and you can automatically generate all hundred cards again Mm -hmm. um this also works for you know things like tiles and chits it works for uh if you not just for the game crafter you can export directly to the game crafter from it but you can also export like a print and play pdf so you can print in your home printer you can export to tabletop simulator so that you can do a, a video game version of your board game i didn't know that that's cool yeah so it's it's a way of designing the components for your game in an automated fashion so that you're not doing so much manual work. And by the time you have done your first edit in a game, so like we've imported the game, we've, we've designed it in component studio. By the time you get to the point where you have to make one change, you will have already saved 80% of the amount of time that you would have put into it 
for you know for designing that game. So if it was if it took you ten hours to do that in Photoshop, it would take you two hours to do it in Component Studio. Wow. So, so uh, I mean, it, ha, ha, how could that not have been a huge success for you guys? Has it been going well? It has been going well. Good. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's it's going it's going quite well already. Um, and you know, I, I use it all the time. I, in fact, I have a game I'm working on now um, that has over a thousand different components between chits and and cards in it. Over a thousand printed components in it. Dang. And I designed <laughs> the initial version of that thing in less than two weeks it's got yeah like i said over a thousand components and over i don't know 15 different types of components so like 15 different separate layouts and and whatnot wow um and i did that working at night uh two hours a night roughly maybe three i did it over the course of a week and a half or two weeks um and got it done so that's to me, that's an amazing feat to have been able to pull that off, and I definitely couldn't have done it without Component Studio. That's cool. Nice. Is is that your uh, your handiwork there, sir? Uh, Component Studio. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I have been building Component Studio um, for years at this point. I've been using it behind the scenes oh. uh, to design everything. So, like the Captain is Dead, which is probably my most famous game was designed in Component Studio, but but Captain's Dead came out in 2014 and Component Studio didn't come out until 2017. Um, it's because I had just been using it myself and then I showed it accidentally or I don't know, I showed it to somebody uh, at one of my game design meetups and they were like, why don't you have this available for everyone to use? <laughs> and it honestly hadn't occurred to me uh-huh. <laughs> to, to even do that. Yeah. Um, I was just like, it was a tool I wrote for myself, you know? Uh, and uh, so, yeah, decided to release it. And uh, that's the rest is history, I guess. People uh, people have been starting to use it. And, you know, there's a, there's an inertia thing with most pieces of software. Like, I'm already comfortable with Photoshop or, you know, uh, Paintshop yeah. Pro or whatever program they're using, PowerPoint. Mm-hmm. I'm already... Co- comfortable writing ha- writing things out by hand on cards why do i need to do something different and so that honestly is the the biggest balk that we get like i already use illustrator i don't need this thing um but they don't realize how much time they're wasting using whatever program they're using <laughs> to do what they're doing yeah and see and that's i'm guilty of that right because i have not used component studio yet and i love your i love your sales pitch and, and i've i've heard that that pitch that, that, that idea before certainly when you guys uh, launched it and, and it's a it's a wonderful idea um, but I you know I'm so comfortable with with my process that I use in Photoshop right so so much so that um, when I, I I tried about a year maybe a year and a half ago to get off of Photoshop and learn uh, you know learn Inkscape and learn GIMP and I just I just couldn't I did pretty well with Inkscape but I just couldn't make myself go all the way to, to learning the open source stuff so I could stop paying for Photoshop and I just went back to paying for Photoshop. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I just couldn't, that it's that inertia. That's exactly the right word for it. I couldn't build up the enough, uh, enough momentum with something new and, and I struggle to get past that. Um, yep. um, yeah, yeah, I'm going through the same thing right now where at the game crafter, we use, um, the Adobe suite all over the place at the game crafter and it is, really expensive as you know oh yeah uh, so we're paying i think a thousand bucks a month to uh, adobe for all the copies that we have 
Jeez. It's a lot of money. Yeah. Um, and so we have started trying out this other program called Affinity Designer, which is it's a replacement for Illustrator. And they also have Affinity Photo and Affinity Page, which are Photoshop and InDesign replacements. And they even work with the Illustrator and Photoshop and InDesign files. Like they can actually read those files. Um, and so we've been trying to... Uh, wean ourselves off of um, the Adobe suite now for the last month or so. And it's going okay, but it's still, it's really hard to, you know, it's like, uh, oh, Illustrator's right there. I'll just click that button. Yeah, because I know how to do it in Illustrator. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it's, uh, you know, the, the price difference is amazing. Like it's one time purchase of 50 bucks for, for those programs versus 50 bucks a month or 60 bucks a month. I don't even know whatever we pay per copy yeah. of illustrator it, it's uh yeah without question it is worth getting over that hump but that hump is hard to get over yeah so jason you have tried uh component studio right yeah yeah and um, you struggled with it i think yeah so. but that's not odd i mean like that could any type of software like that is not like that's not, I, I guess here's what i was hoping component studio did i just was hoping it just did everything for me like and i could just like be like <laughs> Hey, do this, and it would just like make my game. And there is obviously you need to learn some stuff with it, and you need to do some things. And I, um, I, I use Photoshop um, poorly. Um, I mean, I only I pay for Photoshop every month, and I frankly use it mostly now because I have a business and I do things with Photoshop for social media graphics and stuff, and that's about it. Um, but uh, you know, but for me, it's one person. It's twenty bucks a month. I can live with that. Um, but uh, I do a lot of my stuff just in Word because I don't I don't make fancy prototypes because I don't have the graphic design skills to do it anyways. Um, so, but I did try Component Studio and I I felt like if I if I did it longer that I probably would have picked it up and been able to do it. Um, but in the three day trial, I think it was at that time, it just didn't like. I wasn't able to pick up on it, right? It wasn't intuitive enough for me, but as Rob could tell you, someone who tried to teach me Photoshop several times, I'm I'm just not good at those things. Like that was a little harder for me. Um, that said, I've heard numerous people say how much they love working with it, uh, and how I probably just wasn't wasn't paying attention. <laughs> so, um, yeah, yeah. So I I hold no ill will towards it. I I'm not surprised that it works really well for people. Plus, the the other thing is. Um, from what I've talked to, people who like to make a lot of print and place and or print a lot of stuff with GameCrafter consistently, like I get my prototypes done through GameCrafter, right? Um, I, I don't do that generally. I, I save that for I've got a prototype that's really good, it's ready to go, then I will take the time to put it in the GameCrafter and print it. Um, I think if I was like some of those other people I know who are constantly pushing it through GameCrafter, then Component Studio would be a must because... Mm -hmm. Um, because I build it up, uh, you know, build up the stuff in there and I'm able to quick print it, right? And quick send it over there. Um, right. So I think that would make sense for me. But I mean, like, I'm going to publish a game through you guys, like actually print a game that I can sell through you guys this summer. Uh, and when, when I do that, I, I won't do any of the work in GameCrafter for it. I'll have someone else do that. By someone else, I mean probably Rob. <laughs> but um, uh, because Rob knows your guys' system inside and out because he's, he's used it so much more than I have. And he's also, you know, good at graphic design. Um, so, so yeah. So, that was, I think, my, my struggle with it. Um, and I blame that mostly on me. Uh, like, I need software to be super, like, 
I get it. The second I turn it on, it just makes sense and I get it. Um, otherwise, you know, uh, I'll probably just move on. What's funny is I actually used to lead a team of people who were really good at that stuff because I didn't have to understand how they did all of it. I, I just had to be a good boss and lead a team of them. So, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's totally fair. It is a, a technical piece of software. It's like Illustrator or, or, you know, like Photoshop actually is simple if you just use the simple parts of the parts of Photoshop. Like most right. people use less than 10% of Photoshop, yeah. right? Yeah. Which is what I do. Um, I mean, Rob, I'll be like, oh, I'm doing this and I, I wanted to do something. And Rob's like, oh, just hit this button and it does it. And I was like, I didn't even know that was an option. Like, wow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and there's probably like component studio is relatively new. Photoshop's 30 years old at this point. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. There, uh, there's probably all kinds of things that I could do or my team could do to make it better for people like you. We just don't have access to people like you. So here's what I'd like to extend to both of you, probably separately, because you different have both have different projects, different skill sets, that sort of stuff. But what if we did a live stream of me and you one-on-one working in component studio? I like you would have a game that you want to make. I will show you how to make it. Other people can see how it's done that way. You know, it's introducing other people to the, to the concept of component studio and they can see it from a beginner's perspective. Cause when I show it, I'm showing it from my perspective, which is not a beginner's perspective. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we showed it from a beginner's perspective, you could get your game into component studio, hopefully learn how it works. I would get to learn uh, how other people's brains work and, and like maybe figure out how I can make it a little easier to use. And then the, the audience at large would get to learn how to use it from a beginner's perspective. What do you guys think about that? I'd be down with that. I yeah, think that's an incredibly sure. generous yeah, offer and we would fantastic. love to take you up on that. Awesome. And yeah, separately, because Rob is just going to be like, oh, this makes sense. Oh, it's like this, you know? <laughs> like, I know a lot about, I'm really good with spreadsheets and such. It's just that making the leap to the fact that it's, you know, what's going to happen next. And um, yeah, and I just struggled with that. So I, I bet that if you did that, yeah, I would probably pick it up quickly. And then I, I love that. That's a great idea. Thank cool. you. Yeah, we, I, I would okay. definitely take you up on that. Cool. So when we get off the show tonight, we'll uh, we'll talk about that. Yeah, love awesome. It. And then your listeners also have something to look forward to watching you guys, uh, you know, learn how to do this. Or crash and burn. <laughs> or crash and burn. Now, I won't At least Rob burn, will get it. At least Rob will understand it. <laughs> Both of you will understand it. I'll, uh, you know, we'll take an hour or two hours or however long it takes. Both of you will understand how to make at least one deck of cards or something like mm-hmm. that. We'll just try and make something simple and, and see what we can do. And you know what? I actually have a really good uh, game, almost 100% ready to go for that, that I was already going to say. I'm going to talk about this in next week's episode, a game that I've decided that uh, will be my next major project that I'm going to put on GameCrafter. Oh, so, all right. Yeah. Cool. So, well, And I have a game that I want to publish through GameCrafter. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, all right. Great. We'll That's figure, awesome. We'll figure out the details offline, but uh, yeah, let's do it. Cool. Sweet. Yeah. All right. We uh, we are quickly burning through time here. Jason, did you any, have any other questions? So, um, so can I, so I'm going to, I have an idea I'd like to pitch to you, JT, um, sure. about the Game Crafter. Um, and you know what, if I'm going to just say this right now and Rob's going to cut this part out, uh, <laughs> but if you hate this, Rob will cut this out. No big deal. So uh, okay. Rob, no, really cut that part out. I know I say that a lot, but really cut that out because it's for our guests. Okay. So I had this, this thought. So when I looking to, to get this game printed with you guys, um, 
you know, I, uh, I started looking in there and, uh, and I started pricing stuff out. Right. And, uh, and I was like, Oh my gosh, this is, this is all too expensive. This isn't working. And so, so I asked your customer service person who turns out, I know Cece, uh, who, who lives also in my neighborhood. Uh, and she was like, Oh, I can answer these questions. She's like, you need to just make a game. Like, Make a game in here and do it that way. And I was like, I don't want to do it that way. I'm get off my lawn. But so I did it. Uh, and then, you know, people in the community also were jumping out like, oh, you can do this or you can do this. And they were all very helpful and very nice. Um, but but I, I could be kind of introverted with that stuff. Like, I, I, I hate to have to ask for help in, in that space because I feel like, you know, um, I, I, don't, I don't know. I just I struggle with that. Right. And and when you say that space, you mean asking for help in the community, like in the chat room or something? In any community or chat room, yeah. I struggle because okay. because the people in the GameCraft are very nice. That is not typical of every community, right? That's true. Um, you know, usually you catch as much crap as you do help, sometimes more. Um, but no, the people there were very respectful, very nice. Um, but I wasn't looking just to print a few copies of a game or print something to put it on GameCraft. And I'm not diminishing that. That's awesome that people do that. And that's what I've done in the past of printing something for myself. This is, hey, I want to print at least 100 copies of this or more because I want to get that 100 copy discount and, you know, and work through that, right? Yeah. Um, so anyways, here's what would have been really, really helpful for me as that person wanted to do that. Because I actually said to Tavis, is there someone I can just call and talk to about this? And he said, your best bet is really to, to talk to our online chat or the online help people. And I was like, great, I can do that. But if you guys had like like a concierge, right? Like imagine this, right? You've got this person who if I'm, I want to publish a game, like publish, publish, like print a certain number of copies that I could pay a fee, right? Um, a non-refundable fee, I'll even go out on a limb and say, I could pay this fee. And maybe you give me a credit towards printing the games for paying this fee, right? And if I don't print the games, you keep the fee. I'm just spitballing here because I don't know how to run a business. I mean, I have my own, but it's nothing as complex as the shit you guys are doing. Anyways, right? And that person would be able to help me through the process of making sure I'm getting the best price, right? Because what it turns out was I actually went to my friend Jason Katarski. Who I'm sure you know Jason because everyone knows Jason. And I was like, dude, I'm not sure how to do this. And he's like, let me look at what you're doing. And he looked at what I was doing. He's like, you're a moron. He was super nice about it though because he's he's really nice. Um, and it was like, here's how to make your... And he was able to make my game cost half as much because I was just doing things wrong. Like I had too big of a box and I had this and this, right? But if you guys had a like a person there that, that we could pay to help us with that... Like that lowers the barrier for entry so much, um, yep. and that would be I, I, that would have like that would have saved me probably two weeks of stress trying to figure out how to get the best deal um, while printing with the Game Crafter, right? Um, yep. So yeah. Well, uh, I guess I have good news for you then. Uh, just this. This, this week, on Wednesday of this week, as we're recording this, uh, I was talking to, um, I'm sorry, Wednesday of last week, as I was, I was talking to my business partners, Jamie and Tavis, uh, about the idea of doing a um, professional services arm of the Game Crafter. So we have, this is not a done deal, but it we're going to do some version of it. I just don't know what the specifics of it are yet. Um, the idea is that there are, there are kind of three camps. There are people who just want to talk to somebody on the phone and get advice, like what you just said. Uh, there are people who 
don't know how to use the user interface of our website and don't care, honestly. They just want to give us some files and get the stuff uploaded into the site. And then the third group are typically publishers, but it also some other people too occasionally want some kind of custom something or other that you can't really do through the site the normal way. Uh, and they, they don't care what it costs. They just need to get the thing done. And it could be something for like uh, going to a trade show and they need a display piece of some sort. Right. Um, right. So, so we do some of that already, some of each of those already on a case by case basis, but it's kind of this weird thing and we don't really do it. So we don't offer it to anybody, but in very rare circumstances, sometimes we'll try and figure out some way to deal with it. So anyway, the idea was to kind of standardize three different offerings it'd be like look this costs 50 bucks pay the 50 bucks and you can get whatever it is you know <laughs> you know I, i'm just throwing out 50 bucks as a as a thing but right, right, right. let's say let's say you could as your example you could call up somebody that would help strategize you know what are the components that i should use for this game and it costs you 50 bucks to do that uh and you knew up front it was going to cost you 50 bucks and you knew you got to talk to somebody for an hour you know, strategizing on this thing, that would be worth it to you probably, or maybe it wouldn't. I don't know. Depending. Absolutely. You know, no, I would, again, I'm throwing out the number. But. I would absolutely do that. That makes, I mean, like I said, that literally would have saved me two weeks of going into Rob's office because we still worked in the same company then saying, Rob, this is what I'm at now. And he's like, okay. And then like two days later, good news. Now I'm here. Oh, bad news. I didn't know about this. Like, so that an hour, like that would have been amazing. Would have been amazing. Right. So that's the that's the thing that we're thinking about doing. And again, I don't have any specific details, but uh, about you know what pricing will be or exactly what the offerings will be. But some version of that is something that we're planning to do sometime later this year. Some kind of professional services arm of a game crafter where you can call us or email us or whatever and get specific help that goes way outside the normal scope of the stuff that we do. And so it be, just because there are, you know, like the, the thing I was talking about with the publishers, we have a world-class prototyping lab. Like there's nobody in the world that can make all the stuff that we can make for games because we're the ones that do this, right? So we have all these tools. We just, our normal process doesn't allow you to do some crazy, weird hairball thing that you want to do. Now... We have, you know, if we offer this through this professional services arm, now we can do that. Normally, we don't want to, you know, we have free support, unlimited free support. You can just email somebody. But if you just want to get somebody on the on the phone and talk for an hour, that's outside the scope of what we normally offer. So now we have that, you know, or if you don't want to upload your files, we can do that, you know, that sort of stuff. Um, so we're working through it. That That's but, uh, fantastic yeah. to hear. Um, you know, I think the big thing that lands on me from that that I didn't even think about, um, but as you said it, it really clicked, is that the problem with, I say, the problem with using like the chat or the email, right, without actually having a conversation is I didn't always know the right questions to ask. That was what I kept yeah. running into, right? The questions I asked were answered correctly and quickly, and it was great. But I didn't know which questions I wasn't asking that I should have been. And those are the things that, like, when I talked to my friend Jason, that it started to come up. Like, he's like, "Well, what, what, why didn't, what, why aren't you doing it this way?" And I said, "Because well, I didn't know I could do it that way, right?" <laughs> um, and had I sat down or, or had a phone conversation with someone who worked there, 
I promise you, like you and I had say, you and I were talked about it, right? You'd have been like, well, Jason, do this, this, and this, and then you're all set. And I'd been like, oh wow, you're smart. You own the company. Um, so, so I think that that's that's fantastic, and not just because I also had the idea, but I that you know um, that helps. I'm not gonna lie, that helps. But uh, no, I think that's that's awesome because you guys do have you like you said as um, uh, just thinking from a business perspective. Right earlier, you said you know as prices go up in China, right, more people are gonna put in the U.S. Why not put yourself in a position to make that easier? I mean, you look at a company like Panda, for instance, right. Panda has, when you go to print with them, 3,000 copies or whatever the minimum is, like the 2,000 or something, um, they, like somebody walks you through that whole process, right? And you guys being able to help with that, I think, especially as that market grows, right? It just puts you in a good position. I'm, you guys are smart business people. I'm sure you've already thought of that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. you know, yeah. Yeah, we don't traditionally do that kind of stuff because, like, for example, let's say let's say that every customer we gave them an hour of phone time. Uh, we we make hundreds of thousands of games a year, so that's hundreds of thousands of hours potentially of phone time. That, of course, you know, yep. We would have to that would have to do. The difference is that Panda is making three thousand copies all at once, so they can build in some cost of what does it cost me to handhold somebody through this process? Whereas, you know, we're shipping you a deck of cards for six bucks. We can't, we can't build the cost. Into well, right. There's, but there's I no think, room. I but, think the good yeah, news that's is where the professional services come in. Right. Well, I think the good news for you guys is ninety percent of the people, probably ninety-five percent of the people ordering from website, don't want or need that. Yeah. Right, so they want to order a six dollar deck of cards. I mean, Rob needs something from the Game Crafter. He goes in and just gets it. He doesn't have to ask any questions. He just does it because he's done yep. it so many times. I've done it a lot less than Rob has, and so usually I ask Rob questions. But no, that's fantastic though. But um, we are short on time here. We should have you talk about your game. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but thank you. That was fantastic. Yeah. So. So. Yeah, as you know, uh, uh, we we typically pitch a game on every episode of the show. So. Uh, and as, as the the world famous designer of the Captain is Dead, of course, uh, we are intensely curious about uh, what you're working on right now. So, so what do you got? All right. Uh, well, I'm working on a story ver- story driven RPG that is um, it is kind of a role playing game in board game form, a la Gloomhaven or something along those lines, except less combat oriented, more crafting oriented. Um, and much more character driven, uh, where there you have a whole bunch of missions that you can do. doesn't matter what characters you bring to the story. Mine are all of the missions in the game are driven off of the characters that are actually playing the game. So that's, that's what I'm working on right now. I just started working on it a couple of months ago. I already brought it out or I'm sorry, not even a couple of months ago in January, at the beginning of January, just started working on it. I already brought it out to Protospiel, Minnesota and it went over really well. And I'm hoping to bring it to Protospiel, um, Milwaukee in April. So, and I also have it at Unpub out on the East coast, uh, in March. So awesome. hopefully yeah, I can find some people that are interested in trying out something like that. Nice. Is this uh, like a specific, uh, thematic connections, uh, fantasy or sci-fi, or is it kind of open? Uh, it's an open sandbox game, but the, but the theme of, of the game currently, I may change it somewhat uh, to add a little bit more sci-fi elements to it. But right now the game is kind of set in, uh, it's set in Gravesend, uh, which is a, a neighborhood in Brooklyn, New York, uh, in the present era. But there's uh, some kind of catastrophe has 
befell everything. Right now it's zombies. It might be something else, uh, or it might be zombies plus something else. I'm not sure yet. Uh, but like I said, because we're in the early uh, early stages of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now I'm really just focused on the story elements, not so much on the um, you know the kind of sci-fi elements of it. Nice. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of of narrative based or story story focused uh, RPG kind of style stuff, and and I like things that are not just not strictly roll the dice and and uh, you know Stab move your stuff. piece, right? And and yeah, like like I love D and D, but I love the role playing part of D and D, and not so much the strategic combat part of D and D. You know, right? Yeah, I, I, the thing I'm liking about it. You know, a lot of people are going to compare it to Gloomhaven. That's why I said Gloomhaven straight sure. off the bat. Um, the thing I like about it over something like a Gloomhaven is you're going to have choices that will affect the outcome. Like um, at one point, one of the characters I'm working on is going to get bit by a zombie. And depending on what you do, they're either going to turn or they're going to be saved. But it's through choices that you make this character will continue to exist in the game long term or will die and be gone and it's you know this you don't have that sort of stuff in gloomhaven you you either win the mission and continue on or you don't win the mission yeah right 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 well, right on cool do you have a name for it uh yeah right now it's called grave's end sanctuary grave zen sanctuary grave's end Grave- Oh, Gravesend. Not Gravesend. Sorry, no, no, no. Okay. No, it's Rob's poor ears. It's my poor ears. Gravesend. Exactly what he said. Gravesend Sanctuary. All right. So we'll we'll look forward to that coming to stores uh, in the summer. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. I know a place that could print it for you if you needed to. I'll uh, I'll ask for that tip later. I'm gonna guess you get deep discounts there too. <laughs> <laughs> the most important thing that I get there is free urgent status. Oh, nice. <laughs> well, then also the ability to say, "Gosh, I wish we made this." Oh, I guess we do now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have to admit, I have done that. <laughs> Why? What? You would be? Why a, wouldn't you? You would be a bad game designer <laughs> if you can't own a business that can do that. You'd be a terrible game designer if you were like, "I really need this bit, but I don't know where to get it." Like. No, 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 no. Well, there's the whole notion of make something one-off for yourself versus make something a process so other people can order it. Sure. Uh, But yeah, I tend to go the second way. If I'm going to make something for myself, I'll make it into a process so other people can do it too. Yeah. Yeah. That's no, that's a great idea. Boy, man, I could just, I could ask you questions for another hour here about, you know, printing books and, you know, rule books and on and on. And on. I, I mean, I have thousands of questions. We'll have to have you back sometime, JT. Thank, thanks so much for, for joining us today. Yeah, I'd love to come back. Cool. And I hope we can do that streaming thing with Capone Studio too. Yeah, you fantastic. bet. We will, after we sign off here, we will definitely talk about that. Well, I'm glad we got to talk to JT because he is so much nicer than Tavis. Oh, yeah. I mean, Tavis, man, that uh, yeah. guy. That guy. Wow. Yeah, Tavis is a total jerk. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, hey, uh, uh, this is this is your chance. Plug whatever you want to plug. Uh, give us what you got. I mean, I already plugged Component Studio in Graves End, so I guess, and we've talked about the Game Crafter for this whole time. I don't know <laughs> what else I would plug. Right. Uh, the other business that I own is called Tabletop Events, so if you're looking to run a convention, go to tabletop.events. Excellent. Awesome. And if anybody wants to follow you, how can they find you in social media? Me personally, I am plain black guy, uh, like as in ordinary black. Um, otherwise, if you're looking for the companies, it's at the Game Crafter uh, on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, everything else. 
All right. Awesome. Fantastic. So we'll say to builders, thank you everybody for listening to the show. We really appreciate it. If you want to get in touch with us in the future, you can send an email to building the game podcast at gmail.com. You can also call our Google voice number, which is seven, seven hotel BTG. Leave us offensive messages. We'll almost certainly play them. Uh, the more extreme, the better, honestly. Uh, you can uh, follow us on Twitter at podcast BTG. Jason is at J a Slingerland and I am at poorly underscore designed uh like us uh on facebook and give us good reviews give us any reviews honestly on on itunes or other podcast places i had a conversation a little bit with uh with some folks on on twitter today about how really any any review on itunes is a good review from my perspective and i and i and i stand by that hashtag riddle sucks um if uh uh if uh uh uh, i don't know i lost track of what i was saying uh buy our games on the game crafter by the way uh yeah. at least my games on the game crafter you can get the rumplebum academy for bug based baking on there as well as finish it the outrageous storytelling party game and uh hopefully soon i'll have up there uh the game that i'll talk about next week uh with the help of jt on a live stream in the near future jt hey one more time thank you so much man we really appreciate it. i had a great time so much fun thanks for having me guys and good night good night <laughs> Building the Game is a co-production of Imminent Entertainment and Poorly Designed Studios. All of the ideas presented by Rob and Jason are property of the Building the Game podcast. Next time on Building the Game. I I know I've seen you around at conventions, but I don't think we've ever officially met. We've always talked to Tavis just because of the Michigan connection. I listened to one episode. I honestly, I mean, I'm sorry to say this, but I hadn't heard of your show before you guys reached out to me. Okay, that's all right. That's totally fine. Uh, You Uh, should give Tavis some grief about that, though, because he's (laughs) known about our show for a long time. The jerk. (laughs) But for real. He is a jerk. Yeah. So this is really all on Tavis. Yeah, Tavis is the jerk in this situation. (laughs) I think we can all agree on that. Yeah. If you say something and you're like, oh, wow, I shouldn't have said that. Like, if you're like, well, if Tavis wasn't such a jerk uh, or something like that, and you're like, hey, guys, I shouldn't have said that, just let us know. Rob will gladly cut it. Um, yeah. So we've had to do that for guests before. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yep. I mean, if I say Tavis is a jerk, feel free to keep it in. Yeah. I'm kind of hoping we've said it enough that Rob, at the end of the – after the credits at the end of the show, there's like a little blurb. I'm, I'm kind of hoping mm-hmm. Rob's going to do a super cut of Tavis is a jerk. Or that's awesome. going to be the name of the episode. One of the two things. <laughs> <It> actually happened. <laughs> That would be great, actually. <laughs> no.